thank you for joining us for this next year turnaround restructuring and insolvency podcast series. We'll be exploring global issues that affect the world economy. I'm your host, Rebecca Harding, and I'll be joined by a selection of experts from around the world in firms that are all part of the Nexia International Network, and all of whom are leaders in turnaround, restructuring and insolvency. Nexia International is a leading global network of independent accounting and consulting firms. All of the experts appearing on this show can be contacted via the Nexia International website. Thank you. In today's podcast, we're discussing retail. Our guest is Alan Ruttman. Alan is president of Axis Consulting Group and a partner of the Financial Advisory Services Group of Zeifmans in Canada. He's provided turnaround management services to lenders, management and shareholders for more than 30 years. During this time, Alan has provided restructuring services to clients in industries as diverse as retail, real estate, hospitality and automotive. He's also provided companies with interim crisis management services while new executives are being sought. Alan has acted as CRO and COO for troubled manufacturers and has extensive experience in conducting viability analyses, feasibility studies and developing action plans and proposals. Alan Ruttman is a licensed insolvency trustee, certified turnaround professional and a doctor of jurisprudence. Alan, it's great to see you again over there in Toronto. How are you? I'm very well, Rebecca, and uh, it's a pleasure uh, seeing you and uh, having a further discussion on our favorite topic. Yeah, on retail. This this is this is one of your favorite areas, I know. And we've done if you haven't had the podcast we've done before, we um Alan did one um some months ago. So it'll be in amongst the other podcasts if you have a look on Apple or Spotify. Um so today we're going to look at inflation um and how it's affected retail over the last few months. So I mean in Canada at the moment, what's inflation like? Well, Canada, uh, uh, like uh, many other countries, and, and maybe I'd preempt a discussion a little bit, but uh, we're seeing a drop in inflation. It's not as quick as anybody would like to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, we're averaging last year about 3.8%. Uh, recent trends have shown it to be, if annualized, about 3.1%, So it is coming down. But having said that, uh, it is coming down slowly it's still outside of the uh bank of canada target rates that uh, they have set in terms of what they want to see achieved in the next period of time but uh that uh, in particular aspect of it is is about the only positive news we've seen lately so uh, how is this this inflation rate affecting retail market in your local economy in canada is it improving getting worse what, what's going on <laughs> Right. Well, what what is taking place is the uh, price of food is starting to stabilize. Unfortunately, it hasn't dropped very much. It's uh, essentially been over an extended period of time. It's, it's risen fairly dramatically, uh, somewhere in the range of about twenty percent across the board, and that's that's been a disappointment. That, uh, in conjunction with the increase in mortgage rates are having a dramatic impact uh, on affordability. Canada, unlike the US, mortgages tend to be about 25 to 30 years in terms of locked in interest rates. So you can get a fixed mortgage for that period of time. In the US, you can't for Canada. By and large, the average fixed interest rate mortgage is five years. There are some in the seven year range, 
but that's as far as it'll go. Uh, I'm not sure if that uh, goes back for cultural reasons or or reasons that are set by uh, the Canadian government, mortgage lending institutions or others. But by and large, every five years, even if you had a stable rate of interest and, and something in the range of in the last year, about two to three percent, it's now uh, in the range of seven percent or greater. And uh, as you can imagine, People that you know have a an average of about five to seven hundred thousand dollars of mortgages uh, in home acquisition. Uh, that is a dramatic impact on your ability to be able to afford to spend money on other things. So between the food and the mortgage rates, and I'm going to add a third one, uh, which is interest rates that have increased on uh, on credit card debt. Uh, they have a, a huge impact on people's ability to spend money on other things such as durables, electronics, clothing, and other kinds of activities uh, that were quite popular even during the pandemic. Well, it's all that family group, isn't it? It's people with families. Those three things really affect. Right. Families. Exactly. Because um, they're at this, this sort of stage where you're spending a lot all the time to keep the children in in whatever they need. And there's always so much going on. So it's and they're probably the ones that are going to spend the most on retail as well, aren't they? Exactly. They're the ones who want the most popular and up to date brands of uh, running shoes and sneakers and uh, all other kinds of clothing. They like to show up in school with, and the ability to be able to make that affordable is is difficult at present time. And is that reflected right the way across the U.S. and sort of North America generally, as well as Canada? Yes, it is. Uh, the U.S. economy is in better condition than the Canadian economy at the present time. Rates are about perhaps even a little bit higher in the U.S. However, the economy is in better shape. Productivity is greater. GNP has moved up uh, at a greater rate than it has in Canada. Canada may be having a possibility of a recession, uh, but the U.S. it still looks like it's fairly good. Now, having said that, inflation is still stubborn and not coming down as quickly as expected. And uh, you've got uh, Wall Street Journal saying that that is having an impact on uh, retail. Uh, it's having an impact in terms of the ability of uh, people to afford to buy things uh, and uh, by and large they're buying less uh, at the busiest time of the year usually uh, in the u.s uh, leading into the black friday events as well as uh, into uh, just before christmas between thanksgiving in the u.s which just took place last week and uh, the christmas holiday that seasonal period can account for as much as about 40 to 50% of your sales per annum. That obviously is going to have a significant impact in the process. That's a huge amount, actually, in terms of the retail amount of the year. I, I don't think I'd realised it was such a big proportion yes. that, that happens at this time of the year. So in terms of how that fits into global inflation and the global picture, I mean, is North America similar to everywhere else, do you feel? Uh, yeah, I think uh, by and large, the rest of the world is all going through the same type of process uh, because the U.S. economy drives so many things around the world. The U.S. sneezes, as they say, everybody else catches cold. The impact of that in Europe uh, and in South America and other parts of the world and in Asia are that 
uh, rates have moved up uh, in other countries, and it, it'll vary by country, but in other countries, uh, inflation is dramatically higher, uh, quite dramatically higher. There are countries like Argentina where it just uh, is just completely out of control. Quite scary, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> when you hear about some of the South American situations. That's right. If you just print money, you're going to have a lot of inflation uh, in order to you know finance uh, your deficits. And that, that is what's, ha- what's happened in a number of countries. So the countries that are more disciplined and more controlled, such as Europe, you are still seeing uh, a higher inflation than you would in the U.S. and Canada. However, similarly, it is coming down. But again, throughout the world, central banks have increased rates of interest and are trying to slow down the rate of inflation. In the process of doing so, they're also impacting uh, demand in the economy. So how is this then affecting the global retail scene? Because there's so much now where it's all interrelated, interconnected. We've got big global brands. We've got people doing business online. How is it affecting global retail? Well, exactly. Global retail, to some degree, came back to a degree with the um, bricks and mortar seeing more activity uh, and seeing more activity because it's been, you know, so starved uh, for a significant period of time with the pandemic taking place uh, and then people coming back to the mall and becoming used to uh, leisurely touching of of things and uh, looking at things and uh, getting back to saying, gee, I, I really enjoyed doing that type of thing. I enjoyed trying on clothes uh, at the mall. I, I enjoyed, you know, touching uh, new products. It was exciting for me as part and parcel of, uh, of a shopping experience and uh, having that time out in the mall. So there's been a little more of uh, a return to the mall. You know, I mean, it has impacted uh, online sales to some degree, which were really through the roof, but have now normalized a little more. But worldwide, I think the impact has been varied by country. There are some countries where retail is doing a little better. There are a lot of other countries where it's doing uh, very poorly. Like, for example, in China, the retail has been significantly impacted by the consumer confidence. And as long as consumer confidence is weak, people are not going to go out and, uh, and shop. So from a branding perspective worldwide, uh, a lot of our worldwide retailers are seeing mixed results in different countries. But in general, it is a challenge to maintain that growth in sales and earnings reports that uh, they look to provide to their investors and uh, and to analysts on an ongoing basis in this current environment. It's interesting what you say about the return to brick and mortar, because uh, I do think that it becomes quite a social activity, the whole of shopping. And I wonder how much people are now browsing rather than buying and enjoying the being out with their families and having that social interaction after COVID. I mean, retail itself is often at the um, forefront in terms of recessions coming in. And we haven't yet seen a proper recession. It's been difficult, admittedly. Do you think we are actually going to see a recession or do you think we're just going to battle on through this and things will start to pick up? I think a recession will take place in in, in certain countries. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, it looks like Canada may uh, be faced with a, a recession, two quarters of negative growth. Uh, U.S. may not, 
it's likely retail, as you say, is in the forefront of recession. Uh, there are going to be certain industries that are going to be impacted more than others in the retail environment as well. I mean, uh, uh, we've already seen some filings in Canada regarding um, uh, retail uh, furniture and appliances because these are durables, durable goods, and people are buying less of them. As a result of that, uh, the sales aren't there for, for these uh, companies to cover their overheads. So uh, I think there will be some impact in 2024. Banks are calling for some impact. Timing of it is difficult to determine and uh, how that impacts in the economy. But it, uh, Wall Street Journal at this point in time is indicating, as I mentioned previously, that the expectations are that the retail season, prime selling season, which is, as we said now, will be down uh, in relation to expectations. If that's down in relation to expectations, uh, they will be looking to either order less from their supply base or in the alternative, seek significant discounts from their supply base or product returns from their supply base. So as a result of that, there will be an impact and that will go upstream starting with retail, but uh, will hit the manufacturers as well. The manufacturers have now gotten over to a large degree of the supply related issues. But, you know, if they've geared up for greater protection, and all of a sudden, if the demand on the consumer level uh, has, is reduced, then they've got issues as well. So they will have a ripple effect. Yeah, it's, it's some of those issues that we talked about in our last podcast, isn't it? The things that tip retail businesses over the edge. Um, and obviously, you've got all the cash flow issues in sort of managing a, quite a complicated situation within retail. Do you think overall, though, even if we don't go into a recession or only in some places around the world, that we're going to see a lot more insolvencies, proper insolvencies cross-border because they're trading more internationally, there's more internet trade. Do you think that is something we're going to see over the next couple of years? I think we will, yes. I think uh, a lot of uh, supply bases are international, as it stands now. Uh, a lot of retail is international. I mean, a lot of retail has sought to reduce costs by, um, in essence, uh, moving um, operational back offices to Eastern Europe and to other countries where they can reduce the cost by doing so. That is having an impact on uh, wage costs uh, as far as they're concerned. Uh, on the other hand, you've got unions that have gotten significant wage increases in the last uh, year or so, and that will likely continue on a trend basis. So they're going to be squeezed between trying to reduce their uh, retail costs, shall we say, uh, at the store level and uh, do things that they can do to shift their back offices to other countries where their wage costs are, are less as a result of that. So that's going to have that's going to have an impact from that perspective as far as employment is concerned. I, I, I think there's going to be an impact in terms of um, labor growth uh, and employment opportunities that are going to take place in addition to uh, the impact that's going to have on uh, international uh, operations worldwide in terms of you know employee costs. One of the large retailers in Canada, which is Hudson's Bay and the Bay uh, stores, retail stores, they're all, they also own Saks 
in uh, in the U.S. and some other chains. In addition to that, they uh, they've had some problems in terms of paying their suppliers that have been in the paper. And as a result of that, uh, they're redu- looking to reduce costs as well to be able to manage their inventory levels as well as to manage their labor costs. So those are the two significant elements in any retail is manage your labor costs and manage your inventories. And uh, those are starting to impact even the more profitable retail operations at this point in time. Yeah, I was going to say they're struggling, actually. (laughs) I should make others feel good if they're having problems, really. Right. And they need to seek help, don't they, sooner rather than later. The other aspect of it is commercial real estate, which has really been impacted as well. And that includes malls and uh, other uh, retail rental type facilities. We're, We're likely to see some rent pressures going in the opposite direction. Uh, and concessions in order to keep retailers or, you know, wholesale conversion to other types of activities like residential type activities. But that's also going to impact the level of insolvencies going into the new year. Do you think it's worth retailers actually having negotiations with their landlords um, before it gets too bad and actually having these discussions? Definitely. Landlords have been very difficult to deal with. Uh, they like to hold the line on the rents. They will try to offer some other types of concessions to keep tenants. Reductions in rent is a last resort for a landlord because their ability to sell a lot of times is based on top line revenue. In addition to bottom line revenue, it's really top line revenue. So you don't really want to reduce your rent if you can avoid it because you know sales of malls can be based on multiples of top line revenue as well so i mean that that's that's another aspect of it but uh most definitely one of the larger costs that retailers will will incur our our rents and occupancy costs so those are the kinds of things you can't do much to reduce your utility costs or your taxes uh, but you can try to get that basic rent reduced and and try to renegotiate that percentage rent or maybe go entirely on percentage rent, which was popular during the pandemic times. uh, And uh, simply, if you're not selling, then your landlords won't be collecting the rent from that perspective. And that's what they'd like to see. They'd like to see that in entirety. But landlords, of course, need a a source of uh, cash flow as well. and, um, And they need to have some kind of finite revenue flow. So they're not, they're very reluctant to, to make those kinds of changes. But most definitely, retailers need to try that as uh, in addition to the other ways of cost reduction, while at the same time, not impacting their brand, which, you know, it's a fine balance. Do you think they're still being affected by the supply chain issues that we've seen over the last couple of years? Do you think those have pretty much gone now? Because they, they again, impact in terms of costs because spending time chasing up goods or finding other sources and then maybe paying more, this is all impacting the bottom line, isn't it? Yes. By and large, they've solved that issue. However, you know, there's a long lead time, especially in fashion-related items between the design of product the production of product and the shipping of product. So they, they generally have to have that worked out well in advance from that perspective, which in addition to that means that they've got to order sufficient quantities to interest their sources of supply. And uh, as a result of that, you know, they can get caught with their, with their pants down proverbially by simply ordering too much or ordering too little. 
it's a balance to be able to measure that from that perspective if you're in you know product lines which which have uh, that type of lead time if you were going to talk to retailer today what would your top tip be for facing the coming 6 months buckle up <laughs> buckle it. up because it's it, it 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 it's going to be a tough uh, selling season it has been now uh, and uh, historically and it's no different today uh, january is usually decision time you know, you've sold as much inventory as you're going to sell through your busiest selling season. You're now entering a very slow period of time. You're not really going to see a lot of traffic in your locales until Easter and into, uh, you might see a little bit of traffic around Valentine's Day, uh, but uh, they may have a an impact on your business, depending on the nature of your business, whether you're in jewelry or some other type of product, which is um, an indication of you know love and and uh, and devotion, or just simply uh, from memory perspective, you know you're kind of in a, getting into a period of time which really doesn't uh, resonate significantly until April, when you start to get into early signs of spring, and then people want to comfortable buying additional product. But until that happens, I mean, you're basically in a, in a dead zone from that point of view. So you need to ensure that you've got adequate cash resources going into uh, your slow season. You need to ensure that you're not overstaffed. Uh, at the same time, you need to plan for the spring. And you need to get your orders out there. That's when your ordering generally will, will be in January for, for the spring. And uh, you need to commit. Uh, and that's the danger in that type of circumstance. You don't want to overcommit. A lot of companies, if they're buying overseas products, um, if they're not very large, they may have to put up letters of credit, which will also impact their cash flow to be able to go forward for that period of time. So it's a it's a situation where you have to manage cash flow, manage operations, ensure that you're still selling enough to cover your overhead get involved perhaps in, uh, in gift certificates or get involved in uh, free types of promotions uh, or two for one, three for one, other types of uh, processes. By and large, uh, retailers these days have gotten into uh, unified process between their online sales and their brick and mortar, where you can Depending on the term, they all use a slightly different term, but you can buy something online, pick it up at the store, or buy something at the store and get it uh, shipped to you online. That type of thing, depending on your on uh, what your what your desire is, and uh, catching that late selling period of time around ten o'clock through midnight or into the early morning, where you can buy something online that you won't capture at the store. You know, and they're just trying to maximize that through conversion and through maximizing what they can sell to a customer. It's a combination of that good financial management and also being very creative about really servicing your customer and and reaching them continually and not leaving gaps where they where you're not having contact with them, isn't it? Well, exactly, because if you've got less customers coming into a store, then you want to ensure that any any customer who comes into a store doesn't leave without buying something. So your conversion is important, you know, plus your uh, your average daily sales or daily revenue or per customer is also very important as well, dollar revenue. 
and uh, you want to ensure at the same time that uh, you've got things like Popus, which is you know buy online and pick up at the store, uh, which is so they want to capture every dollar one way or another from a customer and ensure that customer does not arrive at a decision not to buy. Hence, they recognize the importance of maintaining brick and mortar because there are people that would be encouraged to buy when they see a product uh, physically as opposed to, to looking at it online. Yeah, I have to say I'm one of those. Apparently, if you hold something, you feel like it's yours already. So the trick is exactly. hands in your pocket. <laughs> you show me. Oh, well, that's brilliant, Alan. Thank you so much for today. That's been really interesting. I'm not sure everyone will find that very helpful. Um, and you have a good evening. You too, Rebecca. Nice, nice to speak with you. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us. This podcast was brought to you by the Nexia Turnaround Restructuring and Insolvency Business Group. The group was formed to bring together financial, legal and operational expertise from across the Nexia network to support global clients and international business at times of operational challenges and financial distress. If you want to get in touch with any of our speakers, then please click the link accompanying this podcast or visit the Nexia website. All views expressed in this podcast are individual opinions and do not constitute professional advice. You're advised to seek professional advice if you want to see how an issue applies to your own situation.